Hi. Welcome back. To Tipsy Ticks. The podcast where I drink and Katie... (laughs) I get tipsy and Katie is the tech. (laughs) No, we're both tech students. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's Katie. Hello. Don't know why I'm waving. You guys can't see me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Alicia. So yeah, I drink water. Alicia drinks wine. Yeah. Delicious. I'm drinking stables wine so there's an animal theme oh yeah yeah trying to keep the animal theme Cabinolo. wait what was it camelo cabernet merlot oh right i'm not a wine person i have no idea what any of it it's a red it's It's red it's a red okay it's a red guys um yeah how have you been this last week good it's finally nice to have a break i suppose um Yeah, we've been enjoying our break, so I don't know if when you're listening to this, um, lovely listeners, but hopefully if you just had a break, or if you're, maybe it's the weekend and you're enjoying the weekend, or maybe it's the middle of the night and you're just having a break from the day, and that's fine as well. Um, yeah, and so you're going, what's happening later in this week? Are you going, are you still going to Topol? I'm thinking about it. I mean, it'd be nice to go, um, to the hot pools and, uh, explore, be a tourist and, in my own country. I mean, now's the time to do it. Definitely. All the other, t- all the actual tourists yeah. aren't allowed no, in. They're not here right now. They're not here right now. COVID. But anyway, well, yes. They're exploring their own countries. Exactly. Um, uh, any, do we have any admin? I don't think so. don't think so. Um, your exits are to your left and to your right. Um, please <laughs> pay attention to behind you because your nearest exit could be behind you and your seatbelt. And you could something. be on fire and... Yeah, if like you're on fire, is. I mean, if you're on fire and listening to this, I mean, it must be fine. It's Call 111 or 911 or 999 or whatever it is. Just, if you're on fire at this point... Stop, drop, and roll? Yeah, or just... Who even? Who, does it even matter anymore? I mean, what are we, but... Pits of water. Why can't we extinguish flames with our own body? We're just sacks of water. Yeah. Sacks of salty water. Sacks of salty water. Put out your own goddamn fire. <laughs> utilize your sack of salty water. Use your, utilize your sack and put out your own fire. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Great start, guys. Great start. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll kick it off then. Let's kick it off. Right. So today... I'm going to tell you how catnip works in a cat's brain. So, like catweed. Yeah, catweed. Catweed. Um, yeah. So, I got my sources from compoundchem.com and an article called The Chemical Behind Catnip's Effects on Cats. Um, and a scientific, um, some scientific literature titled Active and Passive Responses to Catnip, Nepeta Kataria are affected by age, sex, and early gonadectomy in male and female cats. Um, it was written and was published in 2017 by T. Esprin et al. So there's my my sources if you want to look them up later. All right, so Katie, you're familiar with what catnip does to cats, right? Yeah, just makes them go, well, yeah, just makes them go crazy. Yeah. Or like, like calm, or just make them, it makes them act really weird. So yeah, so like rolling over, sniffing, licking and chewing the catnip, head shaking, chin and 
cheek rubbing, salivation, as well as there's stretching, leaping, sexual stimulation, and mm-hmm. euphoria. So those are just some of the things that your cat will do. If you have a cat and expose the catnip, you'll know what they do. <laughs> so yeah, so they basically make them high as fuck. Um, so what is catnip? So the scientific name is Nepeta cataria. It is in the same family as mint, hence it is also known as cat mint. Cat mint. It's mint for cats. Um, if can, we make, did that. can we make can we make cats their own chewing gum? I know they're oh, like... You could, yeah. Well, you, you can't give them xylitol because they're like, oh, yeah. like, that'll kill them. But we could make something that has catnip in it and that they could chew. <gasps> like, what if you had like cat chew toys that had catnip in it? Oh, you mean like, like a rubbery kind of toy? Mm. You could, I don't know, you could do like a, I don't know. I'm just thinking mint. I'm thinking like lamb with a cat mint glaze. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, just have a, yeah, because they, do they have like restaurant? I know they have like cat cafes where you can go in and like <gasps> eat to the cats, but what if they had Shit, a, that's fancy. Uh, Give them lamb with mint sauce, cat mint sauce. But yeah, but like what if you had a cafe just for cats and you they served like, food. I'm sure that exists. That's got to exist somewhere surely in the yeah, world. Yeah, surely. And it's just like, oh. <gasps> And it's just like gourmet food for cats and dogs, and you can just like, oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> here for it, here for it. That's next. Oh, I'm gonna find out if that exists. Hang on, I'm gonna make Do a note. it. Um, yeah. So it has been noticed, noted the use of cat mint and its effects have been noted in scientific literature since the 1700s. So we've been making cats high for ages. Yeah, people were like, oh, this makes my cat go crazy. So what in catnip? makes the kitties react the way that they do. So the active chemicals um, in catnip are nepetalactone and its isomers. So that's 4A-alpha, 7-alpha, and 7A-alpha are the isomers of nepetalactone. And this compound comprises about 70 to 99% of the essential oil of the plant. Um, however, the oil itself only makes up 0.001 to 0.3% of the plant. So there's a lot of variations. So, so I that's, the oil, that's the oil they've got to extract to make the butter to put in the brownies. Yes. <laughs> you potheads will understand that. Ha ha! Okay. Um, and, there's li- and then there's literally me who smoked weed once in my life. Oh, am I allowed to say that? Fuck. <laughs> that's staying in now. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> Shit. Hi, Katie's mum and dad. Only once, I swear. Yeah, honestly. Wow. I mean, we probably Sorry. all had second hand at some point. Was, gee, that freaking 660 concert, I think I got so high just from this. Like, okay. It wasn't that bad. It, it, you couldn't. I could hardly see the stage for the smoke. Like, oh my god. Half of it was vape smoke. Just saying. <laughs> but yes, yeah, there was weed there. I could smell it. Yes. Um, good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. Not really. Uh, so, how does nepetalactone make the cat high? Alright, how does it work? So it enters the nasal membrane slash nasal tissues, where then it binds to certain receptors in those tissues. The receptors then trigger certain sensory neurons that then transmit the signals to the olfactory bulb of the brain, which is responsible for smelling and interpreting smell, all that. And then the olfactory bulb then signals other areas of the brain that have receptors on their cell surfaces to, res- to create a response. So that has goes to the amygdala, um, which is responsible for emotional responses to stimuli, and the hypothalamus, which is responsible for the behavioural responses to stimuli. 
so then those the cells and the neurons in those areas just interpret it and then they send out signals again and voila the response is a high cat so more about the receptors themselves on the regions within the brain and for this i got most of the information from the article i cited earlier so basically the oils of the plants from the nepeta species catnip uh, is one of them are thought to act as opioid-like analgesics so they provide pain relief and or sedatives so they work via the opioid receptors in the brain fun fact this was determined partly partly due to the fact that the effects of the oils were blocked when an opioid antagonist was administered for example naloxone so it's kind of so basically the opioid so the opioid receptors are there and then the antagonist comes and knocks off presume so they de- determine that they knock off the nepilactone off the opioid receptors and then binds to it so therefore they can determine that nepilactone probably works via opioid receptors that's a very bad way to explain it Alessia. No, no. Further supporting the possibility that the active compounds in catnip affect opioid receptors was done by a study in 1969 by Campbell et al. Um, it showed that exposure to catnip can change the pattern of discharge of cells within the ventromedial nucleus of the hypothalamus. Um, this area of the hypothalamus has opioid receptors that are shown to regulate the receptivity of females to mating. Um, and the behaviours include chin rubbing, rolling over, and sitting in a sphinx-like position, which is what happens when the cat is exposed to catnip. So the similarities are like, hey, this same thing happens. So yeah, this area of the brain is activated, so therefore further reinforcing the fact that opioid receptors are involved. Catnip is also works via the gamma-aminobutyric acid, GABA. It, uh, uh, sorry, I worded that wrong. It also has effect, modulatory effects of the gamma-aminobutyric acid, um, inhibiting neural activity and may be the cause of the passive response seen when your cat is exposed to catnip, for example, just sitting in like a sphinx position and just chilling, as well as mediating the effects on brain amines, leading to active responses like meowing, um, chewing, licking, grooming, rolling over and all that stuff so catnip its effects last for about 10 minutes or so and then they have a refractory period of an hour so after those 10 minutes if you give them more catnip they're not going to respond because they're just so short-lived short-lived however not all cats are actually affected by catnip not all cats will show a response so it is believed to be genetic the response with only 70 to 80% of cats reacting to catnip. Are there any um, breeds that are more susceptible to catnip? Do you know? I don't know. I didn't I didn't see anything. But I'll that actually segues into um the large so large cats are also affected. Okay. So like lions and jaguars are extremely sensitive and mm. their responses can last for up to an hour to catnip. So you get some high lions and jaguars. But tigers, cougars, bobcats express little or no response. So there may well be variants within domestic species, I'm guessing. That's my guess. Yeah. I haven't read anything about it, but that is something I should read about. Yeah. Is your cat um, 
susceptible to catnip, tell us. Mm. Or do you know? Or just try it out. If you've never tried them with catnip before, go buy some. Yeah. Um, and it's also, younger cats are somewhat unaffected by catnip, which was okay. this article was talking about, was had made a discovery on. So it's likely to the, due to the fact that the brain is actually still maturing. So brain cell numbers are still increasing. Dendrites are still developing more branches. That's the little branches that come off the end of the neurons. Um, there are still receptors on neurons that are developing. And there isn't as much interconnection between neurons. So as a result, a more immature brain won't have enough... Res- doesn't... Um, there may not have enough receptors for the nepilactone or other compounds to re- create the response. Or the neurons are not as well interconnected as a more mature brain, so the path of the signal might be like cut off. So then like they might receive it, but they might not be able to transmit the response as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how it basically works in the brain. So it basically fires off via the opioid receptors via the nasal mucous membrane. I presume then the gums if you would the gums work is it a mucous it's a, membrane is it a mucous membrane yes because maybe that's why they eat it rub some catnip on your cat's gums and then see what <laughs> eat this <laughs> eat it yeah. um there are some other there's some other fun effects of catnip if you don't have a cat you can still it can still be beneficial to you um please go on yeah, it can be used as mosquito and fly repellent. And in humans, it can be a mild sedative or antispasmodic agent. Okay. Like in cats, but it works via different methods. Right. In fact, even in, I read even in the 60s, it's probably, I don't, do, don't do this at home, people, please. <laughs> but as a replacement to weed, people would smoke catnip. <laughs> Ah, the good old hippie times. The good old hippies. Ah, this plant, let's smoke it. Oh, it makes the cats high, let's try it. Yeah. And do they, do we know if it did anything? Um, I think it actually did do, gave, like, some euphoria, um, what else did I read? Euphoria, I think it was mildly hallucinogenic, I can't remember. But yeah, um, mainly it's noted as being a sedative and antispasmodic agent. So basically it was like weed, but just not as strong. Yeah, and it probably they probably prepared it in a weird way and maybe mixed some stuff in there, we don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's also 60s weed, so that would have been... Yeah, yeah 60s not, weed and... is not weed. 60s weed was weed plus oh fuck, ton of other shit. Yeah, and also but like pure 60s weed was not as strong because we've done a lot of breeding on it since then. Yeah. So if it I'll wasn't it strong, if catnip wasn't strong compared to 60s weed, it's not going to be that strong, so don't smoke it, guys. You'll just... Not it's not it. worth it. So, yeah, that's my kind of brief section on how it catnip affects the cat's brain. So, okay. yeah. Um, my only question that I had, um, well, that you didn't answer, was... <gasps> Bitch. Um, <laughs> well... That yeah. saltiness. I saw that little hand gesture you gave me. <laughs> well, that you didn't answer. No, I was going to ask, like... Um, like, have they try, like, tried using it, catnip as, like, a pain relief or anything? And you, and you talked about that, so it was very good. Pain relief. Yeah, I guess it would be it's an analgesic. Yeah, analgesic. But um, I wanted to ask, is uh, if you knew, is dried or fresh catnip more effective on cats? Um, so is it better to buy it dry, or um, do you recommend, like, having a plant in the house? I think they've noticed um, 
most of the experiments I did um, use dried. So, yeah. but I don't know, because if it's the oil that has the nepilactone, then I don't know how that works. Does, yeah, does drying just, getting rid of just drying get Hold on, I'm going to do a quick Google. Intermission. Okay. Intermission. Dried versus fresh catnip. Fresh catnip is more potent. There we go. So get a plant, be a house. They're pretty easy to grow. Sorry, I'm still on the elevator music. That's all right. All right, that was that was that was me. Very brief. I think this episode is going to be quite a brief one today. It is going to be brief, um, because my I do not have like a an intellectual section uh, this week. I am going to bulk up the section that I have started, and so you're going to hear me drone on for a long time next time. So we can talk about mastitis. Oops, never. That's another episode. Yeah, we'll just represent our entire presentation on mastitis and that's going to be you guys want to know about mastitis treatment i can tell you oh yeah we can tell you about mastitis treatment Uh, and prevention because that was my section prevention look at that yeah that's that can be another episode so uh no in no intellectual magical stuff for me today um so i'm just going to hop straight into my good boys section yes and tell you so just going to turn my pain I'm going to sip my wine and enjoy this. Oh, yeah. I'm going to click my page and you're going to sip your wine. And I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you about New Zealand conservation dogs. Yes. I was so close to actually thinking about doing these. (laughs) So um, all my sources for this come from the New Zealand Herald and also from the Department of Conservation website. So conservation dogs um, are used all over New Zealand um, to protect native species such as kiwi, fio, and kia. Uh, They protect them from introduced pests such as possums, rats, stoats, and even ants. Well, that's more the plants, I suppose, but they do protect, protect against ants. It's weird. So they help keep island and mainland sanctuaries pest free and help conservationists monitor numbers of protected species. Um, so there are currently about 80 um, dog handler pairs in New Zealand, uh, and they're trained to find either to find either protected species or pest species. Uh, certain dog breeds are more suited to each type of finding. So indicator dogs like like setters, so red setters, uh, and pointers like German shorthead pointers, mm. are used for locating protected species. Whereas terriers, such as um, like Jack Russell terriers and border terriers, are usually used to find pests. Yeah, border yeah, terriers. Old, we love border. We love our terriers. We love our terriers. Sassy, rip, rip, sassy. Oh. Rip, sassy. This this episode is dedicated to sassy. Let's can oh, we do don't, that? Oh no, I'll cry. This? Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Terriers. Yes. Okay. Rodents. Terriers. We love terriers. We love terriers. Okay. They get the rodents. So, um, one of New Zealand's most famous conservation dogs is Rain, and Rain is particularly famous because an image of her was actually uh, in the Huffington Post um, at a pop, which is in a pop, uh, popular American news website. And um, if you'd like to see pictures of her, she has her own Instagram, 
Yas Queen. It's run by her human, Ian Graham. No, it's run by Rain. It's run by Rain. Sorry, it's run by Rain. Don't ruin the illusion. (laughs) So Rain is a Hungarian Bizzler. Bizzler! And she has worked all over New Zealand, uh, particularly in the uh, Okarito Kiwi Sanctuary. The Okarito Kiwi Sanctuary on the South Island's west coast. Um, So she is used to detect kiwi um, and uh, blue duck, so Theo, and she is trained to explore, to be able to navigate all over New Zealand's rugged terrain. So she's been in snow, she's been in dense forests, um, she knows how to ride in a helicopter. Girl. Um, She also uh, sits in the front of her human's kayak. Uh, and is also trained to be uh, well-behaved on a boat, so she Aww. can travel to all sorts of places. She's very cute. Uh, so I highly recommend looking her up because she is absolutely adorable. I'm doing it right now. And the picture that was used in the Huffington Post, which made her so famous, is a gorgeous picture of her in her human's truck um, with a Theo, I think it's a Theo duckling, on her head just perched on her head and the caption reads dad said duck i wasn't quick enough (laughs) she's so cute so cute what's how do you spell her name rain like rain uh no rain is in like horse rain so her instagram is uh, her instagram handle is ginger dog with a job one word (gasps) oh my god that is legendary so good so she has to wear um, a special vest so that she's visible um, in case she gets lost. She also wears a tracker and she's trained to not harm the uh, birds that she finds, uh, but and but to help her and to ensure her that she doesn't accidentally hurt them. If she gets excited, she, is, she does have to wear a muzzle. But it's a very stylish muzzle and it looks very cute. I am making our... Instagram, follow her. <laughs> okay, good. No, guys, check her out. She's gorgeous. She is so cute. These lads. Oh, look, she's Vizla. eating some some broccoli. There's, there's a picture of her eating some silver bee. It's great. Oh, cute. oh there's my. I think this is my favorite picture. There's a picture of her in the back, in like lying in the back of a ute or four by four, and she's got sunglasses on. <laughs> Oh, girl, gotta keep, gotta be, gotta protect yourself from that sun. Get, get sun smart. <laughs> she oh. is very cute, and oh. she just looks so. Oh, she looks so well behaved, so chill. Oh yeah, look at her. Look at her go. Such a cool look dog. At her go. Back in with Hilux. Oh yeah. But that's yep. So that's all. So um, well, that's all, all on on rain. Mm. Uh, so conservation dogs are play uh, play a very crucial role in helping New Zealand achieve its predator free twenty fifty status. By, uh, and this is a quote from uh, the Department of Conservation, uh, they, uh, by sustaining and maintaining uh, our threatened species now and by protecting them in the future. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And if you want to find out how to become uh, a dog handler, um, to have become certified, um, you do have to train and the dogs have to train for this. Um, Tell me. information on the <laughs> Department of Conservation uh, website to find out how to become uh, certified in this. Also, Sign sorry, me up. 
Sign me up. I need a dog. I need an excuse to get a new puppy. It's, we're going to become a dynamic duo, me and my new puppy. Oh, yeah. Any 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 name ideas? I need to figure out what breed the puppy's going to be first. <laughs> but, yeah, please, we'll look, we'll look them up. Call it yeah, Hufflepuff. But... Oh, my God, Because yes. it's a particularly good finder. <laughs> Call it Helga. Helga Hufflepuff, oh, my gosh. See, like, this is a true nerd here. A true nerd. Welcome to our well, podcast. That's, and, and yeah, I suppose that's, that's me talking kind of because I once, like, uh, yeah. The <laughs> shocking names that I wanted to give my pets because I was, like, obsessed with Doctor Who and, and Star Trek and all this kind of stuff. And my mum was just like, no. I got so close to calling our new dog um, Benny because of Elton John because I'm a huge, if you don't know, I'm a huge Elton, Elton John fan. And I really wanted... <laughs> And I really wanted our new dog to be called Benny after, like, Benny and the Jets. Get another dog called um, Jet. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, my family even trialed the name. They were like, oh, we don't like how it sounds. We don't like how Benny sounds. Benny, come here, Benny. And I was like, okay. So we tried Bernie, which I was also okay with. But, again, that didn't work out. Um, but I think the name she has now is pretty fitting. Yeah, she's called the Megalodon. I think we discussed this in the previous episode because she is a shark. She, she okay. So my dad was telling me yesterday, she mm. she dragged she start she started dragging my um my wellies around the back garden because she's run out of she she's run out of firewood to drag around the back garden because she keeps stealing it out of our shed to drag around. Take her to the beach. Yeah, so we can get some driftwood. Yeah, she's going to drag that. She, she can just drag it around all she likes. Aww. Shocking. She's very cute, though. She's very cute. But that's all from me, folks. Please, Alicia. My special buy. Special um, Yes. So, yeah, I decided to go a bit left field here. Um, okay. I am doing Sher Ami, the pigeon. Okay. Oh, do you know? Do you know of? Are you familiar with Sherami? I, I, the name rings a bell, and I think I know. Is this? Uh, I'm guessing it's a war pigeon. Yeah. Okay, here we go. All right, please, and tell me more. All right. So at the top, we're going to give you the sources: World War One Centennial.org, in the article called Sherami, the pi- the pigeon that saved the lost battalion. Listverse.com, top twenty world famous animals. And www.100.govt.co.nz um, in an article called Pigeons of War. So to start it all off, I will tell you a little bit about pigeons in World War One. So it was estimated that there were more than 100,000 homing pigeons slash carrier pigeons. Then They use the terms interchangeably, so it gets kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, during World War One, and they used to carry messages. So... And they apparently had a 95% success rate in, of getting to Whoa. their destinations. So for every 20 that released, 19 would get the message through. So they were efficient boys. Efficient boys. Rats with wings, but efficient. <laughs> no, they're efficient not rats with wings. Rats with wings. They are now, but... <laughs> um, Homie pigeons are cool. City pigeons, not so much. No, they're just gross. Um, anyway... <laughs> So they were used for carrying messages since at the time radio communication was unreliable. 1910s. Yeah. 
1914, and, 1918. And your, and your like, radio lines and towers are probably getting blown up every five seconds. Yep. The radios were loud and bound by wires, so laying new wires, they had, which they had to do, would be very dangerous, so you'd have to, like, expose yourself to later new wires to get a less than adequate signal. So, pigeons. Yay! <laughs> Um, they were also very quick using pigeons. They could fly at 50 miles per hour, which is about 80.4 kilometers per hour. Zoom. So they could zoom. They were zoom. They did zoomies. They were zoom boys. They did the zoomies. But there were some cons to pigeons, as there's cons to everything, really. So pigeons were good targets for enemy gunfire. Gun and mm. some soldiers would even use them for target practice. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. So if a, And if a pigeon was shot down, the message could be intercepted without carrying. So there were some not-so-good things, but, yeah, it's the whole ethics things of yeah. your human life versus a pigeon's life kind of thing. But let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's not get into the specifics of war today. Let's not get into it. Let's divert into talking about our hero, Cher Ami, yeah. which is friend, French for dear friend. Oh, because that's sweet. Here's our dear friend. He was one of 600 homing pigeons slash carrier pigeons that was used by the U.S. Army Signal Corps during World War One. Um, and he is particularly he is most well known for his shining moment that came in early October 1918. On either the second or the third, it's hard to find the exact date. I was looking at several sources and they were they were saying second, someone said third, and then I just couldn't find a common thread. So <laughs> the second or the third, it happened. Um, during the Meuse-Argonne offensive. So Major Charles Whittlesley, uh, uh, Whittlesey, get that right, Alicia, and more than 500 men had advanced too far behind Germany lines in the forest of Argonne. They had no access to supplies, reinforcement or radio contact, but they still managed to hold their position against the German troops for several days. On October 4th, the American artillery then... To make to make things so much better, the American artillery started to bombard the position of where the, <laughs> the stranded men were on accident. And they accidentally killed 30 men. Okay. So, as a result, like, in desperation, Major Whittlesey sent out his last pigeon. Our boy, Jeremy. He was sent out to the American lines with a message saying, quote, We are, we are along the road parallel to 276.4. Our own artillery is dropping a barrage directly on us. For heaven's sake, stop it. Stop shooting at us. We're your friends. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> it's, it's time, time to stop. Okay, we're just trying to help it's you. It's time to stop. So, Cherami flew straight into German gunfire and was hit in the chest soon after takeoff, much to the horror of the men who had sent him out. So, imagine <gasps> your, your last hope is this little pigeon. You send him off and then he gets shot down. Imagine the feeling. But however, Jeremy did not give up. He got up again and took flight once more and charged once more into the enemy gunfire. It took him about, I'm going to say half an hour to an hour because conflicting sources once again. I love it. Um, It took him about half an hour to an hour (laughs) to travel 25 miles, so 40.2 kilometers. But he made it to, he made it back to base, although very heavily injured. And so his injuries consisted of the chest wound, which knocked him to the ground initially. He was blind in one eye, and his right leg was barely attached to his body. 
apparently by just a just a tendon or two. But oh thanks to the army medics, Shirami was saved. And thanks to Shirami, the artillery stopped firing on their fi- fellow soldiers and changed their their firing coordinates to somewhere not there. You're like, okay, let's not. Yeah, let's yeah, just pointed their guns away. <laughs> sorry, lads. Uh, Whoops, sorry about that, boys. <laughs> and then on October 8th, they will like come in and be like, what the fuck? So on October 8th, 194 of the original 500 plus men made it back to the American lines. Better than none. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so because of his valiant efforts, Jeremy received the Croix de Guerre, one of France's highest military military honours for gallantry in the field. And, fun fact, New Zealand has a recipient of the award too, according to Wikipedia. Um... Air Chief Marshal Sir Keith Rodney Park. He got that award as well, so yay. Yes, but back to Jeremy. Back to the bird. The bird's what we're focusing on right now. We don't care. Nationalism, what? Birds, yes. So Jeremy, he made it back to the US in the care of his carer, Captain John Carney. He was then fitted with a... He was also fitted with a wooden leg because he lost a leg, so they like... Gave him a wooden leg. Oh, um, and became the mascot of the US Department of Service. Yeah. Up until when on June 13th, 1919, he died at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, as a result of the wounds that he had received. Taking a bullet to the chest would have been rough, and he was blind, and he had lost a leg. So he did quite well. He managed to live eight months. Yeah. Yeah, he managed to survive eight months. That's pretty good for a bit. Yeah. Um, and World War One ended November 11th, 1918. Word, word. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got to experience six months post-war. Aww. So he got to see, he got to see, see the, the he got to see the world post-war. Oh, that's cool. And so his body was preserved and presented to the American government and is currently on display at the Smithsonian Museum of American History. Oh, that's cool. So you can go see him. So. Go and see him. Go and see him. Definitely. So a big salute to our boy. Shirami, Shirami, for his bravery and his perseverance that helped save the lives of those 194 men. Oh, that's sweet. Here's to you, Cheers. dear friend. Cheers. Shirami. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, hold on. Yeah, that's me hitting my water bottle. Yeah. She's so fancy. Kate's so fancy. So fancy. With her drink, drink water bottle. Water bottle. <laughs> She's so hydrated. Follow Katie's example team. Oh, no. Don't follow mine. <laughs> yeah, what time is it? So, <laughs> hey, no, I started drinking at five this time, so. Yeah, it's not as bad, not as bad. Not as bad as two o'clock. Yeah, we'll, we'll fix it. No, so yeah, that's us. Woo. Nice little short, short episode. Nicely, a nice, it's like a mini-sode. Mini-sode, just to. Convenient mini-sode, just like, got a spice, variety's the spice of life. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, yeah, a little happy, a little happy episode, just to. Jazz it up a little bit. It was a happy episode, episode wasn't it? It was. It was a very happy episode. Next week, um, yeah, like I said, my section's going to be a bit long. Oh, it's going to be good. And it's going to be a little bit, a little bit sad. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be good though. But this one. Okay, that means I have to find something happy. Yeah, please. Let's find something really extra happy. <laughs> I was going to do some pathology, but okay. You need to. That's not happy. Pathology isn't happy. Yeah. Save that one. Find something really super happy 
because this one, yeah, this one's gonna be tough. But we're gonna find us special boys like we always do, and it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I'll figure out why dogs are so addicted to cheese. There we go. Yeah, it's, yeah, cheese and dogs. Yeah. My best friend's dog like loves eating raw carrot. Sassy used to love apple. Like she'd go crazy for oh, apple. You'd like crunch into an apple, and then she'd like trot on over you, like <laughs> apple. Wait till I've finished, and then you can have the core. <laughs> Um, cyanide what? Cyanide what? Oh no, that's. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh um yeah. If you're listening and you're on Palmy, go to go to Wild Base. It's fun. Yeah, it's really cool. You'll have always have fun and you'll learn heaps. And it's a great place for kids. Yeah, it's a real good place for kids. I think they're planning on doing an education evening for kids. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. So educate. Keep your, keep your eyes and ears. Educate your kids. Don't hate. Pituate. <laughs> How did I'm trying to find like. I'm trying to find a saying for us. It's like, don't hate. Don't hate, educate. I don't know. Yeah, when don't you hate. Think, when did you think about that? It was you... an animal pun. I can cut all this wandering out. We've just got to think about this. I will figure something out. I mean, let's... Don't, don't let it happen don't organically. Get, don't... Wait, what is it? Um. Oh, I know. I know. Drugs, not pugs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, people who like pugs. Drugs, not pugs. Drugs, not pugs. Yeah. Drugs, not pugs. I don't think we can. I don't think we can. That can be one of it. That can be one of our sayings. (laughs) I don't think. I don't think that should be our outro saying. There's a lot of controversy there. A lot of controversy. As but as there should be, there should be controversy around that. But. Fun fact: I was on Bumble. Hey, listeners, you guys going to hear my dating scene? Oh yes, let's hear. I was on Bumble, and uh, they have this thing called it's like question game. Okay. And they're like. What's an unpopular opinion? And I was like, Brachycephalics shouldn't be a thing. Like, Brachycephalics are the worst. Compared to other breeds, all breeds are okay, and it's like, but Brachycephalics shouldn't exist. But I think that's the thing Sorry. now. I think there's a thing now where they like they legally have to breed the short noses out of them. Like they breeders have if they're registered breeders, they 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 have to actively be lengthening the the noses of their of their progeny, so they can only breed from dogs that that have like over a certain length of nose which is which is encouraging but yeah it's gonna take a while but we're getting there we're getting there it's insane listeners look at pictures compared of like dog breeds in the late in like mid 1800s early 1900s compared to now it's yeah. insane and even if you just search up like brachycephalics compared with like doliocephalics um like it's insane insane yeah oh, yeah i actually i had to show my mum a picture of that the other day i was like mum you don't understand she's like why you get so like up in arms about it? i'm like hold on let me show you a ct scan <laughs> hold my beer hold my wine hold my wine i'm gonna show you why i'm so passionate about this yeah look it up because if you don't know then look it up because i i guarantee you will be amazed i mean you can probably imagine it but seeing it and like you will be shocked it's probably a better word to use. Mm-hmm. Man, this episode was going right. so well. Right, <laughs> to end on a bad note. We're sorry. Uh, no, I was going to say, do we want to do our random question? Okay. Yeah. You, well, you've got a random question. Go on then. Let's go. I don't. I do. Okay. Hold on. Let me think of something. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Cut this bit out while we think. Okay. I've got one. Okay. Yep. Fire. Okay. Who? Fire uh, who is your or what is your inspiration for becoming a vet tech? Oh. Yeah. So um, do you have some someone or something that inspired you to join this? We course? could we could throw do you want me to throw it right back? Yeah. 
to like animal care, like what one you wanted to care for animals. Mm-hmm. Our boy. Our boy, Steve Irwin, yes. Steve Irwin. My boy, yeah. Oh, our boy, our special I was obsessed. Honestly, Um, I have, okay, so um, I have pictures of him. I have this inspiration wall, and it's like, and uh, he's, yeah, he's on it. He's uh, he's one of my inspiration dudes. So I've, like, quotes by him. How about you? Yeah, 100% Steve Irwin. Um, I I feel like anyone, like, Australasian, they'd be like, Steve Irwin! Like, I went to, I went to Australia Zoo a couple of years ago. I was actually talking about this yesterday, uh, and uh, we watched the. They have this thing on every day. It's the crocodile demonstration, and it's something that Steve used to do every day. Um, but before every um, before every performance, they play this video on this giant screen, and it's basically like a montage of Steve, and he talks about like his animals. And I was not prepared for that video to come on, and I just started bawling my eyes out. Like it's this giant. It's like this giant stadium with this, like, pen in the middle with, like, a river and then, like, some grass and, like, a big stand. And, but then, like, Shoot. and then, like, on one of the sides, yeah, it has, like, this giant screen. And they showed it. And I just started crying in public um, openly because I was just <sighs> so, yeah, I was just overcome with emotion because that's, yeah, he was my, he was my absolute hero. Still is. I'm just going to, like jump in there because when I was young I actually got to see him live <gasps> no way that's so cool. I know it was in that same stadium yeah. I'm pretty sure except the crocodile didn't want to come out oh no Shaker. but but the, that's the one thing like props to Steve Irwin I didn't I didn't really appreciate it until I started the degrees like he recognised that the crocodile didn't want to come out so he's like okay you know what we're not going to do it that today we're not going to force the crocodile to come and be like run circles around if it's going to be stressed because I'm going to put myself in danger. Yeah. Put my staff in danger. And I'm going to cause unnecessary stress and probably put the crocodile in danger. It's probably going to hurt itself because it's going to get stressed. He didn't say that, but, like, now these days, looking back on it, I realise that it was probably... Yeah, what happened. What was going through his head. Yeah. Good for him. But, yeah. When I was, like, eight years old or, like, ten, eight years old, I think it was, like, when I was, like, little, little. Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> So, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin, R.I.P. The OG. The OG. Okay. Oh, crap. What's the random question? Um, If you were a breed of cat, what breed of cat would you be? I don't know. Oh, um, I don't know. I just feel like probably you're just a moggy. Oh. Yeah, just, yeah, moggies are cute. Because moggies Love are cute. Moggy. I don't know. Just like a random, random mix of breeds. Just a bit of everything. Yeah. Spice. Variety is the spice of life. Variety is the spice of life. You are the spice of life. <laughs> oh dear. But yes, I think I would be I would be a moggy. Just I don't know. Moggies have more fun. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? So I actually I've kind of why this popped into my head because I already asked this question when I was at my parents' place and my mum gave the <laughs> Immediately she's like, You'd be a some Siamese and I'm like, What? And she's like, Yeah, because you're always so loud. Roasted by road. Roasted. I got roasted. She's like, you're leggy, you're like lanky, and you're just like, wow, all the time. I'm like, thanks, mum. Thanks, mum. I love you too. Thanks for the support. Mum listens to this podcast too, so hi, mum. Hi, Alicia's mum. Hi. Katie smokes weed. Once. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bad influence. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's the other way around, honey. <laughs> right. Should we, so- Should we stop inflicting our... 
ourselves on our listeners i think they've i think they this was supposed yeah. to be a short episode and it's almost an hour now anyway it's fine i'll, I'll, I'll there's a whole bit in the middle that i'm gonna cut out yeah with us going what the hell is the outro gonna be oh. we're still trying to figure it out guys <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out one day we still need one a jingle day. someone can someone write us a jingle yeah still jingle for a certain tech friend of ours who's a really good singer um and composer yeah why don't you just maybe... actually there's a few of them there yeah we have a lot of talented people in our class guys help us help yes anyway yes so yeah follow us on the things on the things we're instagram like at yeah i think it's instagrams at tips um tipsy text podcast facebook tipsy text podcast twitter at text tipsy because rules Um, and uh, we're on Spotify and Apple podcasts yes I'm getting better at this but but But. not Stitcher because we're poor and can't afford it (laughs) but everywhere else pretty much yeah and SoundCloud yeah SoundCloud Yeah. good old good old SoundCloud our boy. Our, boy Our special boy. Our special boy. Shout out to SoundCloud. Okay. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. This episode is sponsored by... SoundCloud. Yeah. Enter name here. Right. Goodbye, everybody. We will see you. Well, speak to you soon. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>